0: Syncing up from across North America as we bring you In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard along with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley as we get through the National Hockey League draft for 2020 and are on the eve as we record this episode of NHL Free Agency. It's a wild time in the National Hockey League and one of the most unprecedented moments for National Hockey League free agent goaltending. Uh, we'll get into that. Plus, we have an incredible conversation with the goaltending coach of the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, France Jean. Uh, That conversation conducted by David Hutchison in just a little bit. But In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, and Kevin, it is the go-to place for everything goaltending.
1: Yeah, it's been nice to be back at the hockey shop. Obviously, they never, they never, well, I guess they closed for a little while, but they've been open for a long time. Uh, They've got some great sort of setups in there to make sure you feel safe. If you happen to live in the Vancouver area and that's where you shop or where you want to get, you need new goalie gear, that's where you should go. Uh, Really nice environment. If you want to wear a mask, you can, you don't have to. Um, They've got social distancing policies. You can book appointments with Cam and the crew down in the goalie department. Uh, If you want to come in and have a head to toe fitting or specific gear, they want to really make sure you set aside time to get yourself fit properly. And when we talk about the guys from the hockey shop, Sorcerer Sports that's what you get when you go there is that level of expertise. We've talked about it before in the show. Um, it's not just how a pad's going to fit on your leg, it's making sure that pad is going to fit properly when you've got your pants and your skates on. Understanding how all the different pieces integrate, understanding how that pad is whether it's the latest from Bauer, CCM, Bryant's, Vaughn, Warrior, how it's going to fit and move on your leg, how it's going to perform on the ice. Do you need room to grow? How much room to grow? That's the kind of expertise you're going to get when you go talk to Cam in person or online. That's the beauty. These guys have dealt with online sales for years. Cam has become quite adept at helping people get the right equipment for their game, for their style, for their growth chart, for their preferences, even if you can't visit him in person. And if you need to do that, of course, you check it out at thehockeyshop.com, all their social media channels. Um... We have some new gear that's come in kind of a weird year. Normally we talk about new gear coming in in April, but the new gear's just starting to move out now whether it's Bauer and the ultrasonic line, uh, CCM and Axis. And that means that there are still sets of the old gear, Bauer 2S Pro, CCM with the Premier 2 left and on sale at huge discounts at the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. Make sure you check them out. Uh, It's nice to be back. I'm not sure Cam loves me being back, Darren, because, you know, he has to remind me that I can't put my hand in every glove and try and close it all the time like I used to and, you know, can't put every mask on like I used to. So I'm on my best behavior, but it sure is nice to be back at the shop and visiting with him each week talking about the latest gear
0: on the subject of gloves we have the CCM access gloves uh, as our gear segment uh, this week and I can speak to that uh firsthand uh, get that what I did there uh it's uh, it's awesome the, the 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 trapper the glove is is amazing uh, right out of the uh, the box and you can, you can catch pucks and they, they just stay in there it's it's beautiful but before we get into that uh, let's talk about uh, the National Hockey League draft and on the heels of Two Russians squaring off in the 2020 Stanley Cup final. We have the highest drafted Russian goaltender ever in the National Hockey League draft, and he is a stud, goes to Nashville, where, right where kind of most mock drafts had, had him pegged at.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, we've done a fair amount of digging, and there's a good story up online right now, not to pat myself on the back or pat goal Premium on the back, but we managed to get a hold of Nikolai Habibulin uh, over in Russia to talk w- uh, with us about Yaroslav uh, Um He coached him, obviously. The World Juniors are kind of the only place this kid's ever stubbed his toe. Uh, been just exceptional in every other international tournament he's played. Javi uh, had him at that tournament. And he also does some work with SKA in terms of their development camps as a goalie coach every summer. And so Nikolai's had him a couple of times there and has gotten to know him pretty well. And he weighed in with some of his thoughts on uh, Askarov's game. Uh, not just in terms of what we all see, like the kid moves unbelievably. You could make an argument, he mo- his down game, his recovery, his movement on his knees and sliding and the ability to gain rotation in those elements, the ability to hold edges from low wide positions and still make a push, probably rivals anyone in the NHL right now. Like that's how well he moves when he's down. Um, but what, what Happy Bullen talked about with us goes beyond that. The puck handling. He figures he's the best puck handler in the KHL right now. And the beauty is he's not afraid to get out there and handle it even more. And he's encouraged him to do so. Uh, The way he thinks the game, um, the way he is open and can take instruction and pull it into his game quickly. Like it's not just enough to look as good as this kid does. It's all those other elements that you add that I think are, are, are what had so many people so big on him. Now, Flip side of the coin is, like any 18-year-old, there's going to be elements of development that need to continue. Um, Rebound control, interestingly enough, I didn't see a ton of it in a lot of the pre-scout reports uh, from some of the draft publications. And yet every NHL goalie coach I talked to said it was something that's going to have to improve. And when I talked about hands, I I saw some people on on the draft um, programs, the TV shows, talk about the glove. When I talk about hands, it's actually not the glove. It's the blocker. It's the stick. Uh, there are questions about how active it is, about st- that need to steer pucks into less dangerous areas with using your stick. And this is a kid that everything goes off the pads. And because that butterfly is so wide, I'm jealous just watching the width of that butterfly. It's right back out in the middle. So there is no 18-year-old that's perfect. Uh, and there are things to work on. Happy Bullen talked about that and a lot of the goalie coaches we talked to gave them the shroud of anonymity to let them talk openly. Um, They really, uh, you know, there are some elements that they think have to change.
0: Hutch, what do you like about uh, Askarov's game when you just look at it first plant, knowing that you haven't watched him 42 games? But when, because when I, when I analyze him and I'll be curious whether you uh, say, ask a question, then I answer it. But uh, Askarov, when, when you talk about a guy coming into the league and we're so envious of his movements and awed by his movements, it reminds me a lot of Carey Price when he came in, that he just changed the way we looked at the goaltending and, and, he, and he was just so efficient with his game.
2: Or as Kevin is describing him, and we listened to the interview with uh, Franz Jean today, um, maybe we think a little bit of Vasilevsky as well, that, that ability to be low, wide, and explosive. And and Franz was talking in the interview about, um, you know, how that may be changing the game as well. And that, that while it's the exception today, he's showing kids that this is what you're going to need to be if you want to compete at that level as we go forward. So, um, yeah, are we seeing the game change? I think we absolutely are.
1: It's interesting you bring that up because legs like Vasilevsky was the headline on our article. Yeah, and right. that comes from Habi who was, you know, Habi was a little hesitant to make direct comparisons. And, and I think that's a smart policy. But he said, if I had to, I'd compare the legs to ha- to, to Vasilevsky. and we talked about this on our Instagram. Talking to a coach from Ottawa that worked with Vasilevsky or sorry, with Vasilevsky in his teens, and what their trainers discovered was the ability to access power from the end range of motion. Like his muscle, he could be fully extended and still had power to go. And I think that's where, to me, Askarov is more in that mold. Whereas Kerry, it's about control and consistency of movement. Askarov is more about explosiveness and power from end range. I think they're they're different goaltenders. And and ironically, they're the same because one of the in a lot of aspects Vasilevsky, because I had another goalie coach that said one of the things he thinks might have to come out of his game a little bit is that he he starts in a really elevated stance and the transition down is is very uh, abrupt. There's not sort of a middle stance transition for Askarov and he figures that's something that also might have to Again, it's going to get it's going to come across as criticism. It's more just looking realistically at how his game might have to evolve as he transitions out of the KHL into the national hockey league. And these are, these are some of the uh, observations now to quickly switch gears to another goaltender and and a goalie coach. We know, um, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins might end up being the team that gets the steal of this draft, Aaron. And that is Joel Blumquist out of uh, Finland, who is also playing against men and having success at the age of 18. And our good friend, Andy Kyoto, I'm assuming was involved in the Penguins grabbing him in the third round. And I can tell you another goalie coach with a very good track record of picking great goaltenders and coaching them up to Vesna trophies, had him ahead of Eskeroff on his draft list. Wow. So Andy hopped in there, I'm assuming Andy was involved, hopped in there and got him ahead of another team. And I think they're going to like that pick for a long time as well, so... And I'm sure there's going to be other guys years from now that we talk about in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round um, that exceed expectations as well. But Blomkos would be the one I'd keep a close eye on in the near future.
0: A free agency on the horizon, uh, probably into it uh, as you listen to this podcast. Uh, but Matt Murray was traded to the Ottawa Senators, Hutch, and uh, this is a situation where it's uh, the end of, a, of an era. Two Stanley Cups for Matt Murray, but he's going to a much different uh, situation. I uh, I wonder how much uh, less pressure and how that'll affect his game because there won't be that uh, uh, one shadow of Mark Andre Fleury over his shoulder or the expectation that you got to win the Stanley Cup every year.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I've heard the the Fleury comparison and the shadow before, and I found that sort of interesting because he he came in quickly, won two Stanley Cups, and Fleury was shipped out of town. So it's odd that that he we would have felt that that's hanging over him, but certainly a lot of people did. I, uh, I think the fresh start is going to be very interesting for him. The possibilities for what could happen in Ottawa. Cause a lot of people are excited uh, about the, the growth of that franchise in the next little while here. Um, yeah. Really exciting restart for him. Um, at the same time, you're leaving a great team and, and now you're sort of on your own and expected as a two time Stanley cup winner to be the man. And I might even suggest that he's about to face more pressure with less support. So what's that gonna do for him, Woody?
1: I, I gotta be honest, like I see it both ways. I I find it ironic. I agree with you, Hutch. It's ironic that people thought the the shadow of Marc-Andre Fleury made it tough on a guy who was praised so heavily for his mental strength coming in and winning two Stanley Cups as a young goaltender, you know, seemingly out of nowhere. We know that's never really the case. Um, but but I can see like there were a lot of people in Pittsburgh this guy took a lot of crap it kind of reminds me of Lundqvist with the Rangers a little bit um you know speaking of guys that are going to change teams here just like it and and, and Rask with Boston like and and in in his case specifically there was a there is an element of the fan base in Pittsburgh that sort of was never going to get over losing Marc-André Fleury and blamed him somehow or he felt like he was being blamed So I can see escaping that as a positive. And sometimes we've seen it. It's about opportunity in terms of, you know, mindset and all those things. But to me, none of this matters. And the other thing too is I would, and this, what I'm about to say, ties into this in terms of the way the Penguins played, because I don't think they, they're still a good team, but they're not the team they were when they won two Stanley Cups. And in particular, the things they did to win those two Cups, I believe insulated an element of Murray's game that has since been exposed. And I've talked about it before. And I'm not talking out of my ass because I've talked to the people that are in charge of of making some of these changes right now, and that is locking in low and wide. The game has become too dynamic east-west since he won those Cups for you to be able to survive as a goaltender that gets locked in too low, too wide, too soon on sequences. And Matt's a guy who had a lot of success playing that way early. And the Penguins won back-to-back Stanley Cups preventing lateral chances at one end and creating them at the other. It was part of their M.O. The Washington Capitals followed that up specifically by designing an offense to create East-West chances and to take them away in front in, in their own end. Other teams have caught on. The entire league is going East-West. We have the numbers that show it through Stephen Valiquette and Clearsight Analytics. The number of slot line chances has dramatic, risen dramatically. So all of a sudden, and the Penguins aren't as good at preventing. They don't have the same type of defense to prevent it. And so now Matt's locked in a little early, a little low, a little wide. And his mobility is something that, you know, at times got exploited. I saw a top 10 highlight reel um, and it was all plays where he was pushing, but ending up off balance and making pad saves and then ending up pitched forward. Uh, So those are things that I think have to change in his game. And this isn't like this isn't a criticism in any way. I mean, what he did was incredible, like in terms of the mental strength and to be able to be on that stage and play as well as he did. But the game evolved and it evolved away from the way he played. And now he's having to evolve with it. I thought I saw signs last year of him starting to narrow up his stance. I mean, he's only two re- years removed from what, a 918, a 919. This is really the first sort of down season. And I know those changes are continuing right now with Adam Francilli in the summer. Like the biomechanic changes and structural changes they're trying to make to his stance. For all the focus on environment and that stuff may matter. I don't think it matters as much as actually adapting to your game to make sure it fits the way the NHL plays and that the way they play has changed. If you can't move, you can't play. And I think some of his stance and setup meant that it was harder for him to move and he didn't get rotation in his movements. We talked about Vasilevsky, you know, that highlight reel save where he's down on his knees and, and fully extended. He still gets rotation with the left skate before launching off for, for a play down and tight. Matt has that ability to explode out of low and wide but there's no rotation in it. So all those elements are things he's working on being in, in Ottawa is going to give him a chance to keep working on them. And when you add in all the things he already does well, I totally think there's a potential here for him to get right back to where he was. There was just an adjustment required and it's only really just started. And I, I'm fascinated to see where it goes. And, but, but to be honest with you, I think if he has success, people just, oh, all he needed was a fresh start. Uh, and most people probably won't look at actually the changes in his game that allowed him to have that success in his new location
0: this is Ingold radio the podcast presented by the hockey shop source for sports surrey darren Millard, kevin woodley david hutchison we should also acknowledge that tristan jari takes over now as the number one goaltender in pittsburgh and hutch he got the Ingold bump at Tendyfest, fest and he's uh he's rode that wave uh, all the way along uh from uh 2019
2: through 2020 yeah and uh the in-goal bump, man, that was that was a while ago, wasn't it? Might be time for us to yeah. refresh that interview and share it with people again, so um, so they can hear BC Zone uh, sitting with you and Woody there having a, having a fantastic conversation. I'm excited for him to see what happens, uh, but as we were saying before, now maybe there's an, a different sort of pressure facing facing Jari. Um, changes in Pittsburgh, and all of a sudden it's his net, and and I know Woody's spoken many times before about that uh, that different pressure as a number one where you're carrying the bulk of the load and uh, that need to prepare differently all the time not having those same number of reps uh, to work with your goaltending coach Uh, so I think he's facing a very different situation this year but obviously the Penguins have have made the decision that he's the guy and uh, and that he's ready to to carry that I'm going to be fascinated to see what they do behind him I haven't spoken to anybody there but Obviously, Casey DeSmith has played before in the NHL and has had a full season as a as a number two there. Presumably, is ready for it. But uh, but but we also have this season where we're expecting a more of a shared load as well. So it's gonna be gonna be interesting there and in a lot of places this year, Kevin.
1: I'm curious to see how much they let him handle the puck. That's a team that does not encourage its goaltenders to get out and sort of make plays with the puck, and Tristan absolutely can. not And now that you're not going back and forth between one guy who maybe doesn't do it as well, I'm curious to see if they open the reins on that. Because I think Tristan is a guy, for a team that struggles defensively, I think he's a guy that could probably help them out a lot more than they've encouraged him to in the past in terms of handling the puck. That's that's one thing. I think it'll be to Smith for sure. And it'd be interesting to see, like you said, in some ways it's a new pressure being the number one. And yet, because it's a year where I don't know that there will be any number ones, it's going to be job shares all over the place or at least we're anticipating that because of the condensed workload, um, everyone's going to sort of have that same challenge. How do you how do you stay fresh without, without having time to rest? It's just going to be like this crazy marathon, much like the playoffs were.
2: Yeah, and, and you've said before that one of the difficulties about becoming the number one and carrying the ball, so to speak, is that you don't get those reps with your goaltending coach. And now we're probably going to have not, not just the number one, but the number two also probably not getting a lot of reps with their goaltending coach with a condensed schedule. So everybody's sort of dealing with this new reality. Jari's been through similar
0: situation, I guess in junior, uh, where he took over the number one job and uh, played uh, behind a high profile guy with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Wonder how much he uh, leans on that experience. He's got both hands on the wheel now, and we have our hands on the gear segment with Kevin Woodley and Cam over at the hockey shop, source for sports Surrey dealing with CCM access as we head over to the hockey shop, at Source for Sports, Surrey, presenting In Goal Radio, the podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're in the basement, or as I like to call it, goalie heaven, an entire floor dedicated to goaltending, all your goaltending needs, every brand, um, every major piece of equipment, gloves, pads, skates, masks, sticks. Full rack, both sides of sticks, all full, um, every accessory. It really is the best place to be if you're a goaltender, and it's even better if you're as lucky as me to be joined down here by Cam Matwiv uh, from The Hockey Shop, source for sports, thehockeyshop.com. And Cam, today, we're going to follow up on our CCM access pad overview that we did a couple of weeks ago on the gear segment. Today, we're going to talk about the gloves and the blocker. And I know a lot of people are going to be like... Gloves and blockers, blockers, like blockers, blocker, glove hasn't changed, but that's not the case here. What are the changes in the Axis line as they replace, replace the old Premier line? In particular, let's start with the glove.
3: Glove weight focus would be one of the big ones that I, I've noticed and what actually they called out. Um, so you're going to ask me an exact weight savings and I'm going to look at you with a confused face and be like, I ounces, grams, Kilograms. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I can tell you it does
1: feel lighter in your hands. You will notice it side by side. Interestingly enough for us, when we did the weight, and I don't have it in right off the top of my head either, but the actual measured weight was not a massive difference. But every single tester that had it on their hands coming out of the old Premier line or coming out of the, the predecessor from the eFlex side noted how much lighter this felt on it. And again, one of the things we pride ourselves at Ingle is having a diverse array of testers. Like this isn't just me and Hutch, for example, wearing the gear. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of junior kids that have been out in it and testing this for us. We're up now. uh, Over 10 different people have been in it, ranging from minor hockey right up, like I said, actually right up to an NHL prospect. And that feedback has been pretty unanimous. There's just a more balanced feel to it on your hand. I think in the past, to be honest, you would come out of, we'd have a tester come out of, say, a Bauer glove and go to an older CCM glove and feel originally out of, like, that those first couple of skates, like it was heavier. That's gone now. This feels like a light glove.
3: Yeah, you know, echoing that same feeling while it's sitting here on my hand right now for for you radio visualizers. Um, What I do find, too, is right off the bat, the closure is quite a bit better and more fluid out of the box. I would say, you know, look at old Premiere 2 especially, like I'd say some of them were a little bit more you know, stiff right out of the box, whereas this, like I can close it fully. I'm not struggling to close it. I do have a game-ready palm on my hand right now. Um, but that said, it, it does feel for the most part game-ready. I mean, we still have to shape the upper portion of the tee a little bit,
1: but you know, that's part of breaking in your glove. Don't be lazy. Okay, so what are some of the other features that have changed from this to this from the Premier line?
3: Um, A lot of it, you know, again, one of those things, the less things change, the more, you know, they stay the same classic line. But backhand of the glove is where I find um, things have really been updated in particular. Um, They've really worked on trying to give your backhand a little bit more protection from those sticks coming in and crashing the net uh, when you go to go cover the puck, for example. Um, That's really where you're going to see kind of the bigger difference of the glove uh, when you're holding them side by side. Um, beyond that, again, we're still based off of the same recipe here though. So, um, again, if you've been comfortable in your Premier gloves before, you should be comfortable heading straight into this access glove without any issue.
1: Okay. So stock break on this is going to be a 590. You can obviously get it in 600, uh, or a 580. Couldn't help but notice that you have a 590 on your hand. Um, and yet your spec here in the shop at the hockey shop is to have a single tee. I'm curious about that.
3: That's correct. Um, and you're going to notice this actually through all of our CCM gloves, including our, our e flex. We've kind of went with more, I would say, off trend. Um, but there is a reason. Um, we just found through our feedback, um, through our customers, and um, just general overall feel for the gloves that uh, the single tees come out a little bit more consistently, just in terms of their feel right off the shelf. Um, to us, it aids in the closure a little bit of the glove in terms of for like a performance aspect of it. Um, like we'll be on the side of having that single T there. It's a consistent place for that puck that hits center rib. That's like your spike for your closure. So that, that same snap and feel, you can't really, can't really replace that almost. Um, but that said, I mean, yes, there's still a conversation for double T's. They obviously still exist. They'll order you no problem. It was just something that we noticed, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you should be able to switch back and forth really without any issue. This is just kind of our take on what we saw.
1: What's your best seller when it comes to the three different break angles? Like, what do you see move the most? Is it 590 with that sort of straight break, 600 with more of that, yeah, for lack of a better term, first baseman's feel, that, that fingertip to end a thumb closure? Is it the 580, which seems to have gained a lot of traction um, at the NHL level? And I'll say this even if you're a double T guy in 590, the one break that you definitely need to order in, in a single T, is 580. Like we've had that experience as well. Like that's a better closure to have a single T on a 580 where that break kind of turns up and over at the top.
3: Yeah, almost the 580 flop. Hey, we'll we'll say like for the most part, everything's been about even with the exception of that 580, like still kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, we consistently bring in about 10, 15 stock gloves of the 580 break a year. Every year we've consistently sold out of them. Um, so... I would say yes in terms of gaining more popularity back because it never went away. Let's be honest, this isn't something that's no. new here.
1: We got a Roberto yeah. Luongo glove sitting sitting in the in goal offices with the 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 old five eighty break single T and um, Coho
3: five eighty back in the day sort of thing. So y- you know what, like it's something that has started to gain a little bit more popularity with the the style of goaltending and whatnot, um, and how the guys have changed with that fingers up and forward position. Um, but that said, yeah, I would say like five ninety and six hundred, pretty close to even for us, but. Um, The 580s uh, started to gain a lot of popularity with our customers as well.
1: Okay, so the other thing I noticed on your glove here, skate lace palm, or skate lace pocket, pardon me. Um, Is that something you order for? Is that sort of a hockey shop spec thing? Uh,
3: Yeah, just a nice feature that we thought we would add in. Um, With CCM adding a couple more um, customizable options uh, to their gloves this year, especially in the Axis customizer. You have different color skate lace, and here's a big one, which is an interesting thought as well the ability to order the glove without D3O in the palm. Um, Something that um, only used to be available to uh, those pro guys in the past. It's now opened up to the retail market. Um, Personally speaking, I mean, we find that the D3O aids, uh, you know, in that palm protection, helping to get, uh, you know, what is technically a thinner palm, but with still that pro level protection. However, if you are still a more traditionalist, you can now get just like a straight pro palm or
1: a straight game ready palm, or even
3: a practice palm,
1: but without D3O. That's interesting. I mean, even at the NHL level, we've seen adoption of that D3O, at least for some guys, see that as something that will help them reduce the need for a thicker palm. Guys going to pro palms instead of practice, game ready instead of instead of pro. It's sort of like an extra layer on its own because of the added protection. So interesting that they gave you the option to go without. Okay, let's switch over to the blocker. First thing that jumps out on this one in terms of changes is the cuff. Yes.
3: Um, it- for us, um, what I've noticed the most is again, allowing that finger forward position, um, which again, you see kind of everyone kind of uh, going into and being taught and how they're holding their sticks and whatnot, um, an added flex piece to the cuff to allow it to be sitting more open, less uh, interference with the chest pad. Um, I mean, that's one of the bigger call outs. To me, what I found extremely uh, noticeable is the, the instep they've done with the sidewall of the blocker. Um, just bringing that in, um, we'll call it a quarter of an inch um, just based off of what I'm seeing here. And that's all, again, to kind of aid in that seal and that feel when you put it up against your body as you're kind of getting tall and
1: sealing off your holes. I mean, that's what I noticed the most. In terms of protection, uh, it's always sort of been a standard bearer in the industry. Um, We've seen guys switch other gear but stay in a CCM blocker uh, at the NHL level. A handful of guys, I think of Corey Schneider for a while, I think of, of Ryan Miller doing the same um, you know, sort of that, that just nice, sturdy, steady, well-balanced blocker. So kind of along the lines of the glove, there are elements that if it ain't broke, don't fix it, don't change it. Um, but certainly some improvements also, I think in the, in the palm and the feel of this one. Yes. Um, and the rebound pop itself.
3: Um, so having an opportunity to test this one out myself, uh, and I mean, kind of quantify some of this feeling I've had for it. One of the things I noticed right away is the rebound pop off of it is quite a bit harder and and definitely flies... Further than I've ever noticed uh, off of CCM blocker before.
1: That's interesting. I like that feedback. I haven't had the chance to get it out myself. And like I said, to be honest, we've had a bunch of guys in it and we haven't heard a ton of that back. So that's interesting to hear. Um, any other changes in, on there other than the cuff? We've still got the D3O and the index finger, just that added layer of protection. Your
3: familiar suspects are still going to be here. Um, everything that you would expect uh, on your, you know, premier blocker, you're still going to find um, on your axis blocker. Um, still good overall feel in the palm they haven't changed their palm material um, you do have the ability to change it on the customizer but what's on here is their sugar, grip which I do find works the best um, again like you said their D3O is still in that index finger giving you that you know protection for riding up that stick um, other than that I mean again one of those situations where if it ain't don't broke fix it like if it ain't broke don't fix it easy for me to say uh, clearly not for me apparently um, you know, why change something that's working right a winning recipe
1: and yet, and yet, small subtle changes. And 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 the pop off of the blocker is one that uh, you know I would suggest is maybe not small and subtle. And you know something we've heard, you know, obviously we we talked about last week with the Bauer blocker. That's a that's a positive that we're hearing about that blocker from a lot of a lot of testers. They love that. So to see that trend uh, on the CCM side as well as a positive. So Cam, thank you very much for taking the time to walk us through the Axis glove and blocker. We'll be back down here in the hockey shop uh, soon for a next segment of the gear segment with Cam Matwib from the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, thehockeyshop.com. Uh if you have an opportunity, come down in person here in Soosa. If you can't check them out online, if you've got any questions about the gear you want to order, if you want to know whether it's really going to fit your style, your game, what type of custom options to consider, where can they get a hold of you in person?
3: Since I think we left this out of last week, I'll, I'll definitely plug the phone number like we normally do here. Hold on, let me get
1: my radio voice ready. <clears throat> 604-589-8299. Not bad. Not bad. It's not quite Hutch level. It's definitely not Millard level, but you're getting there. boy. Okay. We'll talk to you next week, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin.
0: I like the gloves. I like the blocker and, uh, and I really love how the puck stays in that glove and the way it closes.
1: I wouldn't know about puck staying in gloves. <laughs> as, as my teammates at beer league say it's like you have two blockers on kev it doesn't matter what brand doesn't matter what i wear some of us just kind of suck that's the way it is so
2: maybe you should try two blockers woody because you could at least direct the puck with the second one instead of just throwing you it just back go full the dan slot. blackburn yeah exactly
1: yeah yeah i'll go full dan blackburn there's a guy we need to catch up with right? yeah there's a reference
2: Ooh, not a lot of people listening thing. might even know dan blackburn first round draft choice of the new york rangers who ended up having to go with two blockers to try and recover from a shoulder injury I saw him play, actually. Yeah, it was the it was guy a, before
1: Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. He, yeah was, and he, was he was the guy. And he had a hell of a rookie year. Like, he was going to be the guy for a long time. It was actually a nerve injury in the back of his shoulder that wasn't properly diagnosed. And by the time they figured it out, he'd sort of lost the ability to make the glove save motion. The only way he could use his glove hand was with the, the back of his hand rather than the palm facing the shooter. And so he made an attempt... And to his credit, because he walked away at one point from a pretty good insurance payout, if I'm not mistaken, to make the choice to try and play this way rather than just cash in the check. And I think it ended in the East Coast Hockey League. Actually, in Europe would touch it with the Victoria Salmon him. Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually had him as a feature feature cover story at uh goalie news back in the old days. So yeah, maybe I'll have to reach out and, and catch up with him pretty soon. he's a really, really good person and uh it's tough. It didn't work out because you're right. Like his rookie season with the Rangers, people forget. Like he was being branded as the next one. There
0: went to a Memorial Cup with Kootni as a young guy and uh, turned that success uh, into being a, a top draft choice of the New York Rangers and into the National Hockey League. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the Hockey Shop. Uh, Hutch, a uh, great conversation in our feature interview this week with France Jean. You want to set it up?
2: yeah absolutely it was just we've been chatting for a while now trying to uh trying to get some opportunity to sit down and we exchanged notes a number of times uh when he was in the bubble and thankfully he was able to find a little bit of time after reconnecting with his family and really generous of france to uh to share a little bit of time with us when he's been away from his family for such a long time but uh fantastic guy i've known for uh quite some time as a result of a a uh Common friendship that we mentioned in the in the interview, and uh, Franz has taken a long journey to the to the National Hockey League. Uh, about a dozen years in the Quebec League as a uh, as a goaltending coach there, where he had a lot of success, and he refers a little bit to that uh, in the conversation. And then uh, got his opportunity in the National Hockey League, and and it, I thought it was fun to sit down and talk about that process of moving from major junior hockey to the National Hockey League. I think it was an opportunity for coaches who listen to, to learn that it is possible to, to coach at the professional level, even if you never played there. Um, Franz had sort of a cup of coffee in the Canadians camp himself and, and I've run the numbers before and just for fun, um, a little bit more than half the goaltending coaches in the national hockey league never played there. So, uh, opportunities there. And it was fun to, to hear Franz talk a little bit about that process and what you need to do to make yourself, um, visible and what great Great life advice he gives in that conversation too. I think for all of us. So, uh, really enjoyed this conversation with Franz, which ranged from becoming a goaltending coach in the National Hockey League to his background to Black Lives Matter. Uh, not a small part of this interview because uh, Franz himself grew up a, a French Canadian black goaltender in Montreal, and uh, and then then we obviously talk about his star pupil Andre Vasilevsky number 88 here in episode number 88 so yeah I really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to sharing with everyone here
0: and listen to the uh, reaction that he uh, has and tells about his first time on the ice with Francois Allaire it's uh, incredible the way that just experience uh, jumps out at him this is the feature interview on In Goal Radio the podcast presented by the hockey shop source for sports Surrey France Jean with David Hutchison
4: Good morning and congratulations, France Jean, the uh, Stanley Cup champion. How does that sound?
5: Well, it's uh, it sounds good. It sounds really good, Dave. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Um, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. It's uh, it's been uh, life uh, life work, you know, to get to get to this point.
4: And life's work it has been. I think twelve years in Major Junior, and now this was your eleventh season, I think, in the National Hockey League. Yeah,
5: just starting eleventh. Yeah.
4: So as you reflect on that moment and what's I'd say an unprecedented Stanley Cup championship, really, two months away from your family. What runs through your mind as you think back through all those years?
5: Uh, you know i i uh, I think I had that discussion with my wife the other day, and it's uh, it's really um you realize how how much you love the game, how much you're passionate about it, how much you you know you've gone through the thick and thins of of the whole process, you know, doing what you do for you know, uh, for free, basically, because you love the game and, um, you know, just trying to get the next opportunity and uh, just, uh, um, you know, every time you step on the ice, you try to help the goalies you're working with and and trying to help them get better and help them attain their uh, their personal objectives. And, uh, um, you know, I think of all the people, all the coaches that helped me along the way, all the uh, individual that mentored me along the way I think of my minor hockey days where you know I was influenced by a lot of dad coaches you know that that coached me along the way and um you know you uh, you're grateful and you're humbled you know like it's a very humbling experience much more than I thought it would be
4: as you look back on all of that if you you know we have a lot of goaltending coaches listen listen to the show and 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 read Ingold magazine so so I think you're talking to a a lot of people who aspire to be where you are today. Um, do you have any advice for young France If you uh, spoke uh, to
5: him, well, well, for me, it's uh, it's it's always um, you know be passionate about what you do and and work hard at it. You know, work at your craft. Um, that's that's would be the number one advice. The, the second advice I would say is is be happy to be where you are. You know, a lot of time I talk to young coaches and they want to be at the next step already, you know, they want to be without, without kind of having grasp and, and really mastered the the step they're, they're in at the moment, you know, Um, you know, be patient, you know, Uh, make sure that you, the, the, the spot you are right now is the best spot for you, you know, either if you realize it or not, it is, you know, and make sure you, you take you take everything from it, you milk it for all it's worth, you know, and, and then you'll get, if you're passionate, you work hard and and you do a good job where you are, you'll get another opportunity. Someone will notice, someone will give you another opportunity to move forward. And then if you, if, if you've done your, your job, if you learned your craft, you'll be ready for the next opportunity. It will come naturally. And uh, same thing with your next opportunity, you know? So uh, it's it's really a step by step process to to get to the NHL and to get to a point where you're you're in a position to win a Stanley Cup. You know it's um and and that's that would be the the advice I would give. You know, be patient, appreciate where you are at the moment, work hard, be passionate about what you do, and and don't do it for the money. That's not <laughs> that's not the, the point here. The point is you do something you love and. Something you're passionate about and um, everything else will take care of itself, you know, down the road.
4: I think that's great advice for people in all careers, really.
5: Exactly. It it yeah. exactly. It's for any career, really. So, you know, but uh for me it was for for coaching.
4: You didn't play in the National Hockey League, although you you played up to major junior and won a university championship as well. Mm-hmm. Uh and and more than half the goaltending coaches in the NHL today didn't play in the NHL, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is is says something, and yet this year, as we look at all the new hires um, you know in the American League and the East Coast League, uh, I think all of them played at, at some point. Um, is it getting harder for guys like you to get a break in the game
5: uh, I, you know I, I don't know there's one thing that, that I know it, it's, it's, it's hard it's hard for us it's, and it's always been to to get a serious look you know um, you really have to to have had some success uh, along the way coaching. Um, you know, like when you've played the game, when you've played in the NHL, uh, it's kind of a calling card, right? You, you call a GM, a job's open, you call a GM, hey, my name is so-and-so. And right away, there's a sense of respect and the sense of, I'm going to take this call, you know what I mean? And I, we're going to talk, you know? Um, but when you're a franjan of the world where, you know, you haven't played, you know, in the NHL, and uh, you send your resume, you give a call. There's got to be a a hook on on your on your resume or on your call that oh, okay, I'm going to talk to this person because you know. And um, so I I think that's that's the thing that makes it harder for us is that we really have to have a pedigree of coaching to be able to to be able to to sit down with a GM and have a, a serious look. Versus uh, next player who who basically is like, oh well, he was a uh, you know he played for ten years in the NHL, and must know what he's doing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give him some time. I'm going to talk. And there's some great coaches that have played in the NHL. You know, and as much as there are some great coaches that have never played in the NHL, and you can say the same thing for head coaches. You know, and and whatnot. So and assistant coaches. So I, I just think it's. Uh, you know, and, and you got to be open-minded as a manager of a team, you know, and not just to go in one direction. Um, and it's the same thing. I mean, we talk about, you know, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the diversity programs that the NHL has. It's the same thing for the the visible minorities, you know. It's really to be open-minded and have, a, uh, you know, somewhat of a – open mind of interviewing people from different walks of life and different communities and different background, you know, at the end of the day, a coach, a coach, you know, no matter where it comes from, you know, so, so it's, um, you know, to answer your question, yes, I think it's a little more challenging, but uh, in the sense that you ha- you got to have some success coming in, you know, uh, through, through the ranks.
4: I would love to pull on the thread of what that sort of, introduction to the nhl was like for you and and what those interviews were like but but you did bring up the black lives matter and and it is something else i'd love to touch on and what was it like being in the bubble when when that player's action came about and and you're sort of part of that group at the same time you're a coach and separate from Mm -hmm. it so what was it like for you
5: it was it, it was very hard uh in the sense that we you're you're inside a bubble you're inside the a small group and all of this is going on in the world around you, you know, and you have basically, you know, very little contact or connection to what's going on on the outside. And, um, you know, uh, then the whole thing's unravels during one of our games and we come out of our game. And, um, now you're hearing the NBA's boycotting. Then you're hearing like, our guys are like really sensitive to the matter too, which I was, super impressed by our guys, by our leadership group, by our players. They were right away. It was, the game wasn't done five minutes that they were in, in our offices, in the coaches' offices, did, wanting to discuss the situation and wanting, basically saying, we have to take action here. You know, they asked the GM, what do you think? Asked the coach, what do you think? And they basically, you know, try to, kind of put that all together and made a decision. Okay, we're going to make a stand. We, this is what we're going to say. And after the game, we went back to the hotel and had a huge team meeting with all the players, all the staff, and we, we talked about it. We talked about uh, racism. We talked about inclusion. We talked about all this that is happening in our different communities where we live in. And, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have the floor... You know, they asked me my opinion and I was, I was super uh, humbled by it. Um, and I thought some of, some of our guys, our leadership group, I, I think led by uh, Kevin Shattenkirk and uh, Alex Killorn. And I thought they did an unbelievable job with, with our group and just kind of navigating the whole thing and, and being able to express themselves the way they are and express the support of the players to the movement. I thought it was masterful. And the guys meant it. it came from the heart um guys reached out uh had huge conversation with people from outside the team that that I talked to uh you know I had a huge conversation with kevin weeks uh on that matter uh that uh, that really um that really helped me i uh, k- you know get through this and uh, uh you know it was um it, it was it was it was a difficult but necessary moment
4: says something about the culture of a team that they can sit together and have those honest conversations
5: yeah i I mean and and for the vast majority of players you know in our league they're great individual great great people to start with and Mm -hmm. uh, i know on our team all the guys i have so much respect uh, for for the type of people they are and um how respectful they are to others and uh and that's, what's great about, about our game. It's, um, it's really genuinely great people that are involved in our game. And it's in moments like that, that you, that you see it.
4: And here we are at this point in the interview, and there's probably some people listening in the car and they don't know that France grew up a, uh, a black French Canadian goaltender in Montreal. <laughs> um,
5: can you imagine?
4: <laughs> yeah. So, so what was that like for you? What was your experience? Yeah.
5: Well, you know, it's uh, um, you know, I, I've, I've, um, I've had a, a great childhood in the sense that I, I grew up in a town called town of Mont Royal, which is a very white collar town in Montreal. Uh, um, you, you know, very uh, you know, you know, bunch of lawyers, doctors, uh, yeah. you know, CEOs. Uh, it's, it's kind of a it's a great place to grow up. You know, there's no crime. There's no, you know, uh, you know, everybody's living comfortably. And, uh, um, so for me, I, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't face any racism growing up probably until I got to midget and junior. That's sure. when, when I started to play outside of Montreal, um, when I started playing junior, that's when, and there was more fans other than the parents that would come to see you play, right? When you were a kid. Right. Um, that's when it started for me. That's when I've heard things. That's when people would would scream insults, you know? Uh, it never really rattled me, uh, honestly, um, um, playing. Uh, you know, I, I felt, uh, you know, I was strong enough mentally uh, that uh, I totally disregarded. And honestly, I thought it was stupid and um but it it didn't rattle me rattle my game or anything like that i would just shake my head at the stupidity of it but uh that's really when it kind of i i kind of faced the racism in the game was when i got to midget and junior um you know uh so it's um it's it's unfortunate but i think we're in a space right now where we're having those conversations where now there's a there's a sens- sensitivity to it, and um, where people feel that it's, that it's wrong, and people want to be more inclusive, and uh, it, it's unreal that that generation that's coming now, that the generation our kids, you, your kid, Dave and my kid, that, that, yeah. that are so much more informed, so much more inclusive than, than you know we were when we were their age, and our parents when they were their age, um, I, I think it's um, it's going to be tremendous for the future. I, I think those those kids are going to take that over, and uh, you know, you'll you'll see a different world when they'll they'll get to the adult age, you know, and they'll be leaders in their communities.
4: As a parent, that always surprises me in, in a very good way how little phases our children. Things that our parents' yeah. generation would have, yeah, it would have been very different. Their response, yeah, uh, for sure. You, you're a hockey parent, as you mentioned. Um, and and you're suggesting we're making progress, but are we making progress in the game? And, and what sort of advice can you offer your son as he navigates these waters?
5: I I, th- I think so personally. I, I think so. I, I think the NHL uh, Coaches Association is doing a a tremendous job in in uh, in, in getting you know minority coaches involved uh, in the game and uh, get get to be known also. You know from mm-hmm. from the different different hockey circles. Um, I think, you know, for, for my, for my son, for example, there, there's no colors, you know, there's no, there's no gender. Like they, they see hockey players, you know, um, which is, yes, which be. is great, you know, like, uh, um, you, you, know, he's not talking about a girl hockey player, you know, it's, right. she's, she's a hockey player, you know, and the same thing for minorities. So, and that's their generation. Like they don't, I think they see a lot much less color gender uh they see people for what they are and i think um i am I'm, I'm really excited about that next generation i think they're gonna they're gonna change the world i think they're gonna you know and not just in sports but in with the environment with uh with all the issues that we we have right now that are hot button issues i think they'll be tremendous leaders uh, into those issues and uh you know, I can't wait for them to kind of take over and uh, and really um, really push the uh, the agendas, you know, in the right direction.
4: Great to hear some positivity as we're sort of facing a challenging world right now. I do want to circle back to to you being a junior coach moving into the NHL and how do you you know how do you go into that interview with I think it was Stevie Iserman, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And and show the confidence that you can handle the job and yet uh, humble enough that you don't come across. Uh, as somebody who isn't ready and doesn't understand?
5: Well, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I was, I was uh, lucky in the sense that uh, Guy Boucher recommended me uh, when Guy got hired as a head coach. So, uh, And I, I just finished two years with uh, Hockey Canada, where I, I worked with their under-18 team uh, for the Ivan Link tournament right. in, in Europe, and we won both times. And Steve just finished with the Olympic team. The, in the Vancouver Olympics. So right. we, we knew the same people with hockey Canada. So I think the feedback he got from me was, was really positive. So when we sat down together, uh, uh it was a very natural discussion. Um, you know, like, uh, it's like we actually, I, you know, like we knew each other for a long time, you know? And, um, uh, you know, for sure. I'm, I'm sure that the lack of professional experience was a question mark for Steve. And, uh, uh, rightfully so. Uh, but you know, I, have I've had 12 years in, in the Quebec major junior hockey league and that's experience too, you know, that's coaching Mm -hmm. experience. It's more than a decade. So I think he kind of saw it that way a little bit. And, um, you know, he decided to, um, you know, I, I, think he felt my passion. He felt, you know, my, my drive and, uh, uh, he decided to give me a chance and, and it wasn't always easy. Like we had the really tough first half that my first season and then we got uh, Dwayne Rollison in a trade uh, just uh, at the trade deadline limit and uh, or just before I think it was in January early January and uh, uh, that kind of changed our goaltending and um, uh, you know we had a really good second half and great playoffs we lost in seven game in the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston who went on to win the Stanley Cup and um, you know the second year was was difficult uh uh we we had a struggling team and um you know over over the years after that we we drafted we we made some trades and we got we got some really good uh really good athletes uh along the way that allowed us to kind of put our goaltending back on track and but ultimately Steve Eiserman was extremely patient with me and gave me the opportunity to uh you know, long-term to show what I can do. And that's not all the teams that, that, that give that opportunity to coaches, you know? So I was very, very fortunate to have a, a GM that's patient and that, uh, that believed in me.
4: And then you did the work, as we've said, you, you mentioned mentors and, and let's talk about those a little bit. Francois Allaire, what did, what did you learn from him? And, and what of those things are still part of your coaching today?
5: Yeah, well, you know, I was lucky enough uh, to meet François Allaire when I was probably 17 or 18 years old. Uh, just uh, a chance meeting. Um, I was in, the, in a training camp, uh, a tryout with the St. High Lasers of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Um, and um, after we we were playing against the the Sherbrooke Canadians of the AHL and in a um, preseason game. And after the wow. game, um, I was introduced to him by someone and uh, we talked for about five minutes and um, I was really impressed by him. I, I w- already was a fan of his work at the time. You're talking probably it's 19, 1990 by that time. Yeah. And um, and uh, so um, that summer, the following summer, he invites me to his uh, his hockey school. He had kind of a junior like a CHL group and right. junior group. And, uh, you know, even if I played, you know, a handful of game in the queue, he, he invited me, which I, I thought was surprising. Um, and I can honestly say the first time I stepped on the ice, uh, with him, I was extremely surprised. Uh, it was the best organized on ice workout. I, I have seen in my life for a goaltender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had his pad, he was, Paired. every drill was kind of flowing into the other um uh everything was about skating which was you know like or in, in those days you know like most hockey schools you were just getting kind of getting shots working on safe selection but not getting there getting to your spot to make the right. safe you know right. and him it was all about getting to the spot and uh which was a different kind of outlook just to start with um, and um, you know, off the ice, we did some video work. He had some some videos all set up for us uh, uh, of goal of NHL goal. He's doing it the right way. Compare and contrast, right, wrong way, right way. You know, and I was like, first sitting first row in the in the classroom, like in. in front of the TV. You know, I didn't want to miss anything. And his teaching, how simple it was. He he made goaltending for me simple which probably wasn't before and uh he made it for me it was so clear so simple after that week with him i was like this this is this is not a hard game you know what i mean like if i Mm -hmm. do this and this you know i'm gonna have success you know within within my abilities you know so um and uh from that point on i Kind of in the back of my head, thinking that's what I want to do. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be like Francois. That you know, so um, so instrumental. Um, so the the camp during the camp, he comes to me several times. Each day, he would come to my station and and really compliment me. Like I, you know, like there's a bunch of junior goals this guys drafted in the NHL on the ice, and every day takes the time to come and talk to me, like. good talk you know Mm -hmm. like and kind of saying france keep doing what you're doing you're doing great job really impressed with your with your work with your compete level and so you're thinking all right you know what i mean like he's you know he's uh you know he's he's running a camp you know so Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh every day he would he would do it you know once or twice a day so at the on the friday last session we're done And we're getting off the ice, and I'm one of the last guys to leave. And he says, Franz, Franz, come here. So I go back to him. He's in the middle of the ice. So I skate back to the middle of the ice. He said, uh, he asked me, where are you going to play this year? And I didn't know at that time I was turning 20. I didn't have a spot to play yet. We were in August. And uh, he says, where are you playing this year? He says, I'm going to follow you all year. He says, I was really impressed with your camp. Wow, He says, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're on the right track. You know, so I'm like, just the fact he took the time to call me back on the ice while I was stepping off. And to tell me that, I was like, wow, that's a great way to finish the week, right? So about a week later, I'm home. There are phone rings. Francois Laia calls. Me. Oh, wow. And uh, he says, uh, France, I'm inviting you to the Montreal Canadian Training Camp. you are wow. going to be one of the... The goalie's there. We got six six goalies. You're one of the guys. You know, I was like, he says, the secretary's gonna of art. Secretary's gonna call you later <laughs> on this afternoon. Um, congratulations. I'll see you September third. You know, that was basically the call. So, and and over time we developed a relationship. Frank and I, um, you know, over years, uh, years and years, I always leaned on him when you know when I needed uh, some sort of mentorship and. Um, I eventually coached in his hockey school, uh, you know, a few years later, and uh, we to this day we, we we still talk. You know, we talk uh, still once twice a year. Uh, you know, where either I call him or we text or we send an email, right. and uh, I'm I'm a huge huge fan of the guy and what he's accomplished in his career.
4: Incredible, um, Hall of
5: Fame for sure. Yeah, for sure. To me, I'm flabbergasted that he's not already there. Aren't we all? Um, he's Changed the game. He's literally changed the game. Um, without Frank Allaire, um work, the goaltending goaltending wouldn't be near what it is today. Like he 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 literally changed the, the not just goaltending, but he changed the way offense now has to run because of the way goalies play. So it's Tell um, me about that. Well, you know, like the the fact that the goaltenders became more of a percentage base, te- you know, technically speaking, you know, mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that um, that it became all about, uh, you know, um, goal- goalies became better and better with their foot movement, with hitting their spots, with w- with covering the low part of the net, with uh, uh, with attacking shooting lanes, you know. Uh, instead of attacking the puck and attacking the players, uh, you know, in in terms of challenging, um, it, it the offense had to adjust, you know, um, over over time, you know, to be able to how do, you know coaches are always asking this: how do we generate offense? How do we score goals? Well, now you. you, you it's not just about the, uh, the other team's defensive system. Now it's about how the goalies play too. Like, right. how do we score on those guys, you know? It, uh, <laughs>
4: and how the two integrate.
5: Yeah, and how the two integrate. So for me, it's, um, you know, he's totally, he, he, when you look at when he arrived in the NHL and, and the trajectory that the NHL took from that point on is significantly different than I think it, it would have if he wasn't there. And for that, he's a builder. He's uh, he should be like uh, he should he should have been in the in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. You know, in my yeah. opinion, like uh, definitely a builder, definitely um, a guy that, that changed the course of, of the NHL history, no doubt. And just the just the sheer success he had with his goaltenders, not just in Montreal but in Anaheim. You know, um, Stanley Cups, Conn Smythe, Vezina. Um, First, second all-star team, all-star games, uh, records, goaltending records, you know? I mean, there's, there's not another goalie coach in the world that had that success. I mean, you, it, to me, it's a slam dunk.
4: I think we'll uh, roll this clip out and round about next year when they're contemplating who should go in. <laughs> That's yeah. about as impassioned a speech as we could ever hear. Sure. Uh, we will keep campaigning for him. Um, another name you worked with along the way, Roly Melanson has been a very successful yes. NHL coach. What has he uh, done for you? Yeah.
5: Same thing. Uh, yeah. Roley, I've met Roly in the early nineties. We had, uh, a common friend, um, uh, Michelle Godbout, who is, uh, who is our common person. friend as well. Exactly. He's yeah. a, a TV, um, TV anchor for TVA sports in, in yeah. Montreal, who's, who was a goaltender also played, the. Uh, Played at the collegiate level and played college at the university of Moncton, uh, my alma mater that you see right yep. behind me. Uh, um, you know, he played a couple of years before me and we we were fast friends when we met, uh, early in, uh, in the nineties. And, um, and he, uh, he knew Roley and he introduced us and, uh, we became instant friends. Honestly, like, mm-hmm. um, I remember my first meeting with Roley and, um, you know, uh, you know, literally uh, two days later we were we were hanging out, you know what I mean? Like we became really, really close. Friends. He just finished his NHL career at that point. Uh we're talking probably ninety-three, ninety-four mm-hmm. around there. And um uh Roly was just kind of transitioning from playing to coaching at that time. And he got a, a job with the St. John Flames of the American Hockey League, um, as the goaltending coach. Um and um so he um, he went from there to the Montreal Canadian the following year as as the goaltending coach. With Allen Vigneault was named coach. He named him as as the goal coach, and uh, we stayed friends over the years. And he um, I cannot thank him enough for all the opportunities and the support he's given gave me over the years. Um, his mentorship uh, when he was in Montreal, like he brought me to two development camp as a guest coach, which was yeah. instrumental for me, for my confidence as a coach, for, for my, um, for my pedigree also to be able to say that, you know, I've, I've worked in an NHL development camp, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but not just that, just counseling me over the years, uh, uh just our discussions, you know, that we have, that we, we have on goaltending, you know, on on how to handle certain situations. Just off the cuff conversations that that we have over the years, over a beer, you know, uh, at the cottage, you know, uh, in front of a fire, you know, just like you don't know how many of those we've had over the last twenty some years. You know, it's uh, um, you know, he's a dear friend of mine. He's I respect him tremendously. He's a great human being. And, um, you know, to this day is he's, he's extremely close friend of mine. He's, he's uh, one of the first guy, uh, I called after we won the cup and, um, uh, you know, he's, he, he's helped me, uh, a lot through, through my career. And, uh, uh, you know, he's another guy who had a tremendous coaching career. Like how many, did. how many goaltending coach, coach a player that won the league MVP in the NHL, you know, like <laughs> that's, pretty that's good. impressive, you know? Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant guy.
2: guy.
4: Brilliant guy who has been really good to us over the years as well.
2: Uh, you know, you mentioned
4: the early years being a little difficult there. And, and I, I read where you said uh, sort of in response to that, um, that you have a way of training and you believe in it. And when you do that, it's just a matter of time before things go back to normal. and And I'm interested in that way, way of training that you believe in, because You've worked with uh, a really diverse group of NHL goaltenders, from Dwayne Roloson, who you mentioned, who had, had, I think, over 500 games in the NHL when he came to you, um, a giant like Ben Bishop, uh, Nabby, and now, of course, uh, Andrei Vasilevsky, who's really unlike any other goaltender on the planet, I think. Um, w- what is your way of training, and-, and how does that translate to working with such a diverse group?
5: Well, I- I'm a big, big believer in consistency. Just- consistency in, in delivery uh, in the sense that we put together a game plan um, where every situation is going to be attacked and approached the same way. Um, um, when I coach, I'm very black and white. I don't leave a lot of room for the, the great stuff, you know, because I think when you get to the great stuff, that's when, that's when you increase the amount of decisions you have to take on the ice when you increase the amount of decisions you have to take, it takes too long and you're late on plays, you know? Okay. So for me, it's all about. Automatism, you know, making sure that we got a way to counter every attack. We get, we got it. We got a way to do it. And, uh, we're really, really good at doing it, you know? So it's repetition and it's, uh, it's being consistent in our execution and, uh, I think once uh, once we master that, I think that's when guys get uh, get consistent, get successful, and with with consistency and success becomes brings confidence. And when you got a goaltend, confident goaltender, um, all, all is possible. You know, so um, so for me, it's it's really that is is have a game plan, execute the game plan. And and really, no matter what happens, you always have to bring your goalie back to the game plan, you know. And uh, you'll have time in the year, well, where you'll have to bring your guy back, you know. Like that's your job as a goaltender coach. You're kind of the gatekeeper. Um, you're 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 kind of protecting the gates at the entrance of the game plan, you know, to make sure that the moment it derails a little bit, you bring everybody back in, you know. So. So it's uh, it's been my philosophy since I've started. Uh, it was my philosophy when I played at the end of my career uh, after meeting Francois and Roly, and that's kind of how I I got my game together. Uh, when I started to coach, that was my philosophy. And you'll have time when it's it's going to be your goalies are going to struggle, but I think when you when you have that when you have that mentality, uh, things get back on track. You know. Um, and then you can, you can kind of store and, and move forward and build, you know?
4: Does that mean there's only one way to play things? Or no? does that just mean you have a game plan for every goaltender?
5: Exactly. Like my yeah. game plan for Naby will not be the same as it will be for Ben Bishop. Of you course. know what I mean? Like uh, my game plan for Ben Bishop won't be the same than it's going to be for uh, Vassy. You know? Mm-hmm. So there'll be some nuances. Uh, you know, for example, you know Ben Bishop is six seven it's it's his that is is his ultimate advantage on everybody else in the n h l so he can play deeper because of mm-hmm. it you know um he doesn't need to be at the top of the paint all the time, and I always felt that Ben bishop was at at his best when he was playing deeper mm-hmm. you know um so but i wouldn't say that to you know, to uh, necessarily to uh, Andre Vasilevsky or to a Curtis McIlhenny, or you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we'll
0: mm-hmm.
5: they're all different. we'll tail we'll tailor the game plan to what what the goalie's strengths and weaknesses are. You know, so mm-hmm. so my video session with Ben Bishop will will don- won't have the same cues than my video sessions with Andre Vasilevsky. You know, but um, but my cues with both of them will be the same all year long. Right. You know? Um, So it's, um, that's, that's always how I've, I've worked and uh, uh, you just have to make sure that when you develop your game plan for a goaltender, that you, you have the right one, you know, that's, that's the, um, that's the, that's the main thing.
4: How long does it take for you to find that game plan for a goaltender when you start working with them and what's his role in creating it?
5: Well, you need to have a conversation with the goalie. Uh, you know, um, like what I, I like to do when we acquire a goalie, or we trade a goalie. I'd like to, you know, I like when we first time we, we meet like, uh, physically face to face, I like to sit down and go over, go over situations of the game with them a little bit, just to have a sense of, of how they see things, just to have a sense of how they like to play certain situation and why, if it, if it makes sense, it makes sense to them. Does it make sense to me? um, is it, is it built on, on percentages or is it just out of habits, you know, because they've been doing, doing it a certain way for 10 years, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right way, you know? So it's all like, I want to have a sense of where they're coming from. Um, you know, the vast majority of the time, especially with veterans, goaltenders, uh, you kind of agree with the way they see things, you know, like, for example, you know, when we acquired Curtis McElhenney, I, you know, first meeting we've we had in Tampa, we sit down, we kind of go over the plan a little bit over what how we want to. And he, you know, like he, there's a couple of nuances that, that he likes to do. He likes to play certain situations. And honestly, I was, I was in, I agreed with, with the way he was seeing certain aspects for his game, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for his abilities. And, um, and he's a guy that, that, uh, you know, like I, I actually, I really love coaching Curtis. He's a, he's really, really fun to be around really great goaltender plays a, a solid game, uh, unreal feet, very, very powerful guy. And, uh, you know, so sometimes you also learn from your goalies, you know, like when you, when you sit down with them and you talk, like you kind of, you kind of, Hey, that's a good point. You know, maybe, uh, you know, we could, we could do this. This way you know like uh, um, little nuances that um that guys will bring you know to the table and you actually say hey that's really really smart i'm i'm gonna we're gonna take that and put that in the system you know so you got to be open-minded too but you once the this the game plan is is put together that's the bible that's how we go forward with you know like you can't right. change every week every month because you know, a guy feels like this or like that is we agree on something, let's move forward, you know? And, um, I think, I think that's, uh, that's a big part of consistency.
4: Is there a common thread between how you have all your guys play? Are there some non-negotiables?
5: For sure. For sure. There are for sure. They are They're And they, they, you know, they're, uh, they're, uh, a lot of it is, is positional and, and skating based, you know, um, you know, it's uh, it's just common sense. So, uh, and, and I and I tell the guys, I said, look, this and this is non-negotiable. Like we mm-hmm. have to do this, you know. And I've yet to come across a guy that would say, well, I don't agree with that, you know, so, because it's mm-hmm. such basic common sense that yeah, fundamentals that. Uh, and that, yet, and um,
4: yet, you say fundamental um, common sense, but I would think that a lot of those harken back to those first sessions with Francois Air. Things that you For thought sure. were different and new,
5: exactly. Like yeah. you, you go back. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, of a, you know, a goaltending nerd. I, I go back sometimes when I'm, I'm on the road. Uh, I, I go back and I watch Vladislav Trachak play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I go 100%. on YouTube and I pull videos and, you know, I, I go look at Bernard Perron play, Bernie Perron play. You know, and I, I pull videos, highlights, and one thing is always the same. The goalies that dominate in def- different eras, you always notice they're always set before the shot. Yeah, They always beat the play to their spot, no matter where it was at that time in that era. You know? Right. And what they're doing, they're, they're waiting for the shot. They're rarely in movement. They're rarely... You go, you go watch Traciak play, and he's, he had great feet, you know, and he was always set in the shooting lane. And you know, in in his in his square, you know, like in his crease, like it's uh, and the rest was his athletic ability, his his reads, his is tracking, and uh, uh, you know, and you look at goalies that struggled, you know, when you watch Gretzky scores all his goals, <laughs> and you watch how they go in. The guys are always moving, you know, they're right. sliding, they're you know, limb saves, and you know, like so, and that's a common thread to today's game. It it that that. Part of it hasn't changed. You got to be a great 100%. skater. You got to be the play to your spots. And, and you know, you let your abilities do the work, you know. But at the end of the day, you got to be set for the shot. Since the, you know, since the beginning of, you look at goalies in the 30s and the 40s, it's, it's the same concept, you know. So that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed.
4: History is so important. And you, you brought up a, a great Russian goaltender, when I love watching growing up and, and now you're working yeah. with uh, another great Russian goaltender. You, uh, you once said about him that he was the hardest working goaltender you've ever worked with in your career. I'm talking about Vasi now. Yeah. Um, w- what does that look like? What does he do differently that, that puts him in the conversation as one of the very best and a Vezina trophy winner?
5: He's uh, you know what, like I've, I've had, I've had the chance to work with, with tremendous goalies over the years. Uh, you know, in junior, you know, I had Corey Crawford. I had, hmm. uh, there's a guy, Nicolas Riopelle, who broke several Q records over over the years. was drafted by the Flyers in the fifth round.
4: I shouldn't forget, you, you know. had a pretty good partner in junior as well.
5: Yeah, so, I had Marty I was his backup that's, for two right. games. Yeah. So yeah, you know what I mean. And, and 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 there's certain elements that you see in those guys: their work ethic, their passion, their you know, uh, you know how they approach the game is at a high high level. You know, they're competitive their competitiveness is is at an elite level. Uh but honestly, Vasi, uh Andrey Vasilevsky just is is totally at another at another level in his in his work ethic and his skating ability. He's the best skater I've I've ever seen uh and I've ever ever had the chance to to skate with. Um his power, his explosion, his ability to recover when he's really down and out and kind of spread out a little bit. Like I haven't seen a goalie a goalie being able to recover in control, you know, uh with 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 tips of his edges, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, With with power and significant power, you know. Um the thing with Vasi, he does everything in his life he does to be the best goalie he can be he wants to be the best goalie in the world he wants to be the best goalie in the nhl and that's on a daily basis like this is it's not like when it's not going well or just at the start of the year it's every day i i've been with him since 2012 i've been working with him and i cannot say there's not one day that i've have told him to step it up like he's all out all the time um Sometimes you have to ra- rail him in, you know. You got to rein him in. Um, he, he's uh, he's a phenomenon, you know. For me, anyway, like I, I you know, I, I never came across a guy like him. Uh, he's determined, driven. Um, you know a, the the ultimate horse man. Like he's um, <sighs> it, it's it's uh, it's impressive to see. It's really impressive to see. I'm a really, really lucky coach to be able to be on, on, on the ice with him every day and um, uh, being able to work with him. It's, uh, it's a treat for me as a coach anyway. it's every day's a great day.
4: I think there were some great hints in there um, about what you mean by he's a great skater. You know, Since we, <laughs> we all grew up hearing uh, goalie should be the best skater on the team and nobody really ever knew what that meant, I don't think, because I was never going to skate as fast as the other guys. Um, what does being a great goalie skater mean? And, and what is it that you're seeing in, in Fassi that makes him the best?
5: Well, it's, it's his precision, the power that he generates going from point A to point B. Uh, you know, like you, look at the goaltender's crease, like it's, it's six feet by four, right? Like it's, it's not, uh, it's not very big. Um, but he's, he's able to go from, from point A to point B, which, which is fairly short, with a tremendous amount of power. And he stops on a dime. Like, there's no, there's no give. It, it, there's no, you know, like, uh, he doesn't slide out of that, that spot, you know, like yeah. because of the power. Um, and this is standing up in butterfly, uh, you know, leg recovery off a slide, like, name it. You know, um, his work at the post is extremely precise, extremely precise. Um, like he, he, in a season I can count on one hand and I have too many fingers, the amount of time he misses his post when going into a reverse VH, you know, or going from a post to, you know, from a reverse VH to, to, a, another reverse VH on the other post or from a butterfly to a slide into, into the post in a reverse VH. Like, I can count on one hand the clips that I would have in a year where, oh, he missed the post, you know? Like, when he does, it's like, what's wrong? What happened? You know, (laughs) why why did this happen? You know? Uh, It's, uh, he's extremely, extremely precise skater, powerful, stops on a dime, uh, you know, his edges, you know. uh, A lot of times, you know, he'll make saves where he has to extend the leg and then he's got to get to the other way. Uh, to the opposite side. And he's able to still get an edge, you know, and, and get some power to push and get their compact, you know, to the opposite side. And he's, um, uh, you know, I, I, I was showing a couple of years ago, a video of, of him in Montreal to my students at my, at my golden school. And he, he was going in one direction and while the whole play was coming to him like the pass was coming it was somewhat of a shot pass coming from from top of the circles okay. across the crease uh to to the uh, kind of the uh, the bumper guy but the bumper guy was like kind of low around the hash marks you know mm-hmm. um on on the far side of the net and he pushed he was able to to he was stopping his his, his positioning on his knees, and he was able to stop, pivot, push back to the backside to be able to be compact. And he did that in a fraction of a second. It wasn't even one second. But it was so impressive to see how, how quick it was executed and how precise it was as executed with the, the the power it was executed with. And I showed that to my hockey school, and I said, you know, that's – that's, that's elite, but that's where the game's headed, guys. You know, I told that to my students. I said, you guys want to get to the NHL, and this is what's happening right now. It's, it's that quality of execution, you know? You guys, in 10 years from now, more guys will be able to do that. You know, like the, the, the guys that are coming will be better and better skaters. That's what you guys got to aim for. But it's, it's stuff that I've, I haven't seen other goalies do on a consistent basis. He does it. It's a, extremely impressive, but he works at it every day. He works at it every day and he works hard at it. Like he he pays attention to details. He he's really a a student of the game. And that's that's why like all the success he's having is not an accident. Like it's it's by design. He's um he's he's an impressive, impressive athlete.
4: Great words, I think, for all of our uh, listeners to hear, parents, coaches, goaltenders. I think that sums, sums it up there. And I, and I think you being such a great student of the game, I think, is a wonderful example to, uh, to all of the coaches that are listening as well. So um, I've taken far too much of your time, but I hope we can book some more down the road somewhere. That was it's, great. Uh, it's fascinating to great. chat with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, what, what, what are you looking forward to in the next couple months here of your sort of air quote summer vacation?
5: Yeah, well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stay in Tampa for a couple of weeks. Uh, just, uh, just tied up loose ends here and, uh, enjoy the weather a little bit. Then we'll go back to uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, where, uh, I have my, uh, summer home there and, uh, we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll quarantine there and, uh, we'll mm-hmm. uh, be able to spend time with my son who's, uh, who's playing hockey and PI, uh, at the Mount Academy this, this year. So, um, I haven't seen him since late July. So. Uh, I'm oh, wow. uh, really, uh, really excited to see him. And, um, you know, then we'll wait to see when, uh, when training camp will start and, uh, get back at it and, uh, defend our title.
4: Well, from everybody at Ingole, all our listeners and and all of us, uh, congratulations, France Jean, Stanley cup champion.
5: And I want to say, Dave, you guys do an unreal job. Your publication is second to none. Uh, the quality of, of the articles and the images and uh, the information the, uh, the equipment, uh, trials and all that stuff is is uh, at a un- high 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 level it's 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 un- unreal really i highly recommend it for all young goalies coaches uh, uh, that uh, that that want to learn about the game that's the, your publication is the is the publication
4: wow thank you very much really appreciate that have a fantastic day france
5: thank you
0: a heck of a endorsement woody we we gotta clip that one and, and put it on on inspirational posters
1: check france is in the, the mail check is in the mail france thank you for that you know what though and and not to again like this is the second back pat of the day i'm gonna have to uh get a little device to pat my own back here uh and pat Hutch's back uh virtually through zoom here um and you too darren but like honestly i hear that from a lot of goalie coaches, like the resource that in goal premium has become for young goaltenders. And so um, yeah, get on it. If you don't have a subscription, get it because when the best in the business are reading it to keep up on what's going on and look for new ideas, kind of think it might be a good idea for young goalies and parents to do as well. I'm biased, but that's my opinion.
0: Atta boy. Uh, we're, we're right with you. Uh, looking forward to next week. Uh, we'll we'll put a wrap on it right now, but uh, free agency will be in full swing and we'll be able to dissect this much anticipated, much talked about free agent class of 2020. For David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast, a presentation of Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey show.